Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Leading and Living in God's Flock, Part 3. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, I am still having computer issues that may affect the quality of this podcast and next week's podcast as well. Three of the four parts I have ordered have arrived. However, I am still waiting for one part to arrive. It is scheduled for the 18th of this month. February. I am hoping this part will arrive sooner than expected, so I only have issues no longer than is absolutely necessary. However, please bear with me for the next few weeks. In the meantime, I will work on the podcast quality to return it to the quality it was at previously, or better if possible. It is also possible a new solution may be available to me which will allow me to put off this computer build until it is more convenient. Updates will follow when things change. May God bless you all. In our last episode titled, Leading and Living in God's Flock, Part 2, January 30th, we examined 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5-7. through 7. In last week's study, we learned that Peter uses two age groups loosely defined as elders and younger, not referring to elders in a church body, just simply those who really are our elders than the younger people. We also learned the difference between an elder and a church elder as the two have distinct differences, one being the office of elder. We also learned about wrapping ourselves up in. To learn more, listen to last week's podcast, Leading and Living in God's Flock, Part 2. Peter now addresses the younger people in the church. Here in America today, many of Peter's points are relevant to many of any age. Our scripture reads, Be sober and alert. Your enemy, the devil, like a roaring lion, is on the prowl looking for someone to devour. Resist him, strong in your faith, because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are enduring the same kinds of suffering. And, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory, in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him belongs the power forever. Amen. From 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8-11 through 11. Verse 8 opens this study, and the commentary passage relates some equally good points. It reads, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. The cruelty of Satan, who seeks by all means to devour us, is overcome 
by watchfulness and faith. From the Geneva Bible Translation Notes. Notice the reasoning found in the last sentence. The cruelty of Satan, who seeks by all means to devour us, is overcome by watchfulness and faith. Remember also last week's Bible verse found in commentary. So submit to God, but resist the devil and he will flee from you. James chapter 4 verse 7. In today's text in 1 Peter, verse 8 said, Be sober and alert. Your enemy the devil, like a roaring lion, is on the prowl looking for someone to devour. However, if we are sober, vigilant, regardless of the cruelty of Satan, who seeks to devour us, he, Satan, is what? Satan is overcome by our watchfulness and faith. Then James chapter 4 verse 7 says, So submit to God. But resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is worth examining to see how these two verses help us better understand what God has made us capable of. If the correct interpretation here is, we have this power, why is it that more people are not seeing this type of victorious life in Christ? The root problem is in these two questions. Are we correctly watchful? Do we have the faith that overcomes the devil, so he will flee from us? First, watchfulness is not living our daily lives as if the devil or Satan were not prowling about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In regular life, where wild lions roam, if you hear a lion roaring, he has spotted you and you had better find safe cover or somehow get away from where that lion is roaming. He is not far off. I should also caution you against becoming paranoid and watching every single corner, every single dark shadow for the enemy to be found. It doesn't work that way. He is far more clever than that. Yet, the real question is, do we hear him lurking about which would translate into the analogy of his roaring? Do we hear his roaring in the things some people say or the situations we find ourselves in? This is why we do not hear his roaring because the roaring is analogous to things in everyday life that if we would be more attuned to things, that would clue us the same way a roaring lion clues us to get away. This is an analogy that was more relevant to those in Peter's day. Notice what Scripture said. Like a roaring lion. So clearly, this is an analogy that was better understood in Peter's day 
that should not be overlooked by us today. A simple and obvious example is the case of being approached by a criminal robber. The analogy of the roaring lion speaks to us today about a criminal robber. It also gets as subtle as someone who tells untruths behind a person's back or more currently speaks untruths of a person on social media hosts. These are only two simple types of a roaring lion today spoken of here in 1 Peter. This is why this analogy is all but lost to us today. We have reasoned away such issues so they seem almost harmless, when in fact, Peter is telling us such is not the case. White lies are part of the analogous roaring lion that Peter is telling us about. This was more simple to understand in Peter's day, as I've already said, because such things were better understood then. By comparison, today, our roaring lion sound has become, in many ways, but not all, more subtle. So, we today need to learn better the sounds of our roaring lions who seek to devour us. That is, in part, how we today remain watchful. Remember, today a roaring lion can be intellectually reasoned into a mere growling or even snorting sound that we may reason away as something else and never give it another thought until something happens. Sometimes, not even that will cause us to at least wonder if that was the sound of our lion in today's world. He has not gone away just become less noticeable to us due to his far greater subtlety in his actions. This makes him appear less harmful when, in fact, he is even more harmful for us today. Again, we do not want to be paranoid, looking into every corner and dark place, since he will not be in every one of those places. Yes, sometimes he will, but not always. Paranoia is to be greatly guarded against. That should help you better understand how we hear the devil in everyday life. However, just at what level is your faith? Faith is also a part of the total equation here for us to more fully understand what Peter is telling us. Remember this about Satan. He is your adversary, who will do you all possible mischief. He is the devil, an accuser, and one that seeks all advantages against you. He is a cruel adversary, a lion. Yes, a roaring lion, which adds terror to his cruelty. He is a restless adversary. He goes about seeking whom he may devour, what soul he may devour, for that's the bait he gapes for. It grieves the devils, those apostate angels, to find the souls of men appointed to fill up those vacant places in heaven which they turn themselves out of. 
it is a delight to them to plunge souls into the same condemnation and misery with themselves. The duty of resistance urged upon us in order to our preservation with the weapon put in our hand for that purpose. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, that is, be steadfast in your faith, that you may resist him, and by the help of your faith, you shall overcome him. Learn hence, one, that the devil is the restless adversary and unwearied enemy of mankind. Two, that all the pains which Satan takes is in order to the destruction of precious souls. Three, the way to overcome him is by resisting of him, not by yielding to him. He is a cowardly enemy and a conquered enemy. Resist him and he will run. Four, that faith is the weapon by which the Christian is enabled to resist the tempter and to repel the force of his fiery temptations. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. William Burkett said a few things we really need to examine for better understanding. I meet many people who have their own mind made up about something and they fully refuse to see any other correct or better possibility. If any person is able to resist another person in this way, then why would the devil be any different than another person? If your mind is made up and you can easily resist another person's expression to think differently, why is the devil any different from another person? Yes, the devil has greater endurance and argues with you longer without tiring, but why does one cave in and let the devil have his way? Such a person does not cave in when pestered at length by another person. Such a person eventually tells the one who is insisting on change to Go away! The first statement William Burkett made was about the devil. He is a cruel adversary, a lion, yes, a roaring lion, which adds terror to his cruelty. He is a restless adversary. He goes about seeking whom he may devour, what soul he may devour, for that's the bait. He gapes for. This should really help us understand better our adversary and just how weak he really is. It should also explain better how strong we are if simple resistance is all it takes to defeat our common enemy, known as the devil, Satan, our enemy. I know his relentless roaring, pestering us, is difficult the longer it goes. It becomes very wearing on our hearts, minds, souls, and spirit. That is just the facts about his issue. 
in this issue. However, let me say this. When our spiritual enemy, the devil, persists, it is because he knows our strength. So it is not about even the first few miles of his torment. It is about the last mile of our torment by him. Think of a foot racer that runs in a marathon like the Boston Marathon here in Massachusetts, USA. The runners are able to run most of the course before they begin to get tired. Many have said the last mile was the most challenging for them. In this analogy, it is our last mile of resistance that our spiritual enemy is looking for. For most of us give up before we ever cross the finish line where the devil flees from us. Remember, our spiritual enemy is looking for us to tire so he knows he can get an upper hand to bring us down. That is the sign to us that we only need to hang on a bit longer, and he will, as Scripture says here, not walk, not run, but flee from us. He will not just give up and be quiet. He will flee. Will he come back later with a new plan? Yes, he will. Just look at how he tempted Jesus. Not once, not twice, but several times over the course of his life and even on the cross. So, we need to think of our daily lives as living in a battle fought on a spiritual front line. That front line is our hearts, minds, souls, and spirits. Now, notice verse 9. Resist him, strong in your faith, because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are enduring the same kinds of suffering. This verse enforces us to take charge in this spiritual battle. Notice how verse 9 opens. Resist him, strong in your faith. If I am not a strong swimmer, how can I swim a race? How can I swim a distance? On the other hand, if I am strong in my faith, I can be very deliberate in my resistance against the devil. Now, in this verse, the reasoning or answer to the question, why? Because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are enduring the same kinds of suffering. We are not alone in our sufferings. It might seem that way, but remember, others like us around the world also suffer as we do. Some of us, not all of us, suffer from a fatal disease. Some of us, not all of us, suffer from some kind of severe burn. We are not the only ones suffering in this world, even though it may seem like that to us when we are suffering. Please remember, I am not trying to minimalize anyone's pain and suffering. I am only pointing out that more than one person suffers in a similar way mentally, emotionally, or physically, at the very least. These issues are suffered around the world. Again, 
I am not trying to minimalize anyone's situation. I am just pointing out that no one person suffers alone. Therein is the beginning of our way to finding help in our sufferings. As the Apostle had said, resist Satan's temptations occasioned by our sufferings, remembering that it is not your case alone, but others also suffer with you, even all that will live godly in Christ Jesus. Learn hence that Christians should not desire and cannot reasonably expect a better condition in the world with respect to freedom from sufferings than the rest of their brethren who have all a share of affliction to suffer and a measure of hardship to endure, as well as ourselves. The same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. Simply put, yes, we all suffer something in this life and more than once. Just remember, you do not suffer anything alone. Notice, the persecutions which Satan stirs up are neither new nor proper to any one man, but from old and ancient times, common to the whole church, and therefore we must suffer patiently, in which we have such and so many fellows of our conflicts and combats. Now. Notice how this passage closes. And, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him belongs the power forever. Amen. There it is, my brothers and sisters in Christ. There really is a happy ending to this teaching of Peter's. Next week, we start in 2 Peter. Believers, Salvation, and the Work of God, Part 1. What does Peter mean when he says, I can pray this because his divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and excellence. Just what is Peter getting at in his second book? To find out, join us next week. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. 
Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. Thank you all so much. God bless you all. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site. 123.me At present, we are located on a growing number of podcast sites. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.